You know, I wore this in today, and I didn't realize when I took it down, I feel like I need to have a pipe and a captain's hat. <laughs> I, I mean, really, y'all see that, right? I'm taking this thing off. Killing me. Thank you, Colonel Mustard, in the library. <laughs> Keep it up, Crystal. I got a lead pipe. All right, there we go. <laughs> Guys, got you. that was terrible, wasn't it? I'm sorry. I love you. Let's, uh, <laughs> speaking of, today's message is the defilement of sin. <laughs> Take your Bibles, let's go to Haggai. 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 Uh, we're going to Haggai chapter 2. So I'll give you time to find that. Uh, again, hopefully by this point, most of you are familiar where to, where to locate that. And so God bless you as you go there. And um, we're going to continue our study. I know I mentioned last week that this would probably be our last section, uh, and you guys know me better than that, so we're going to break it up, and so I'll talk a little bit more about this two-part finale, and so you don't want to miss next week, because next week, Lord willing, will be the conclusion uh, on this study, and it's been a great study. I know for me personally, it's, I mean, anytime you get into a book study, you're, just, you're in the Word of God, you're saturating yourself with the, the, the things of God. But there's been something about this one that I can say is just, it's timely is the word. Um, just what's going on in the world, uh, what's going on um, in, in the U.S., uh, in, in churches across America. I just feel like this has been very, uh, very timely. And so I, I trust it's been that way for you as well. And so uh, we'll continue this morning. Uh, if you guys could pull that up for me, because I, I love singing, but trust me, it's only during uh, karaoke quarantine that I like to sing, and so. I'll go, I'll go with it, brother. I'll fast forward, not a problem. You're fine, Cap. Oh, see, he needs the Cap hat. There we go. Today, uh, we are continuing in Haggai, Consider Your Ways. Uh, we're in chapter 2, and specifically we're looking at the text as is found in verses 9, uh, I'm sorry, verses 10 through 19. And so let's just turn our attention here, and uh, let's focus on the Word of God this morning as we go through this. I will have it up on the screen uh, if you'd like to follow along. And In fact, because of the technical difficulty, I'm going to step down here and read it, but feel free to follow along in your scriptures. On the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Now ask the priests concerning the law, saying, If one carries holy meat in the fold of his garment, and with the edge he touches bread, or stew, wine, or oil, or any food? Will it become holy? Then the priest answered and said, No. And Haggai said, If one who is unclean, because of a dead body, touches any of these, will it be unclean? Then Haggai answered and said, Then, I'm sorry, so the priest answered and said, It shall be unclean. Then Haggai answered and said, So is this people. So is this nation before me, says the Lord. And so is every work of their hands. And what they offer, what they offer there is unclean. Verse 15. And now, Carefully consider, from this day forward, from before stone was laid upon stone in the temple of the Lord, since those days when one came to a heap of twenty ephahs, there were but ten. When one came to the wine vat to draw out fifty baths from the press, there were but twenty. I struck you with blight and mildew and hell and all the labors of your hands, yet you did not turn to me says the Lord. Consider 
now from this day forward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. Is the seed still in the barn? As yet the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, the olive tree have not yielded fruit. But from this day, I will bless you. Father, I I pray for the teaching of your word this morning. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be open before you, that we would be drawn into your presence to hear your voice, to heed your word. Lord, give us a willingness to respond. Life is but a vapor. Our time is short. And Lord, we have an opportunity this morning in response to the teaching of your word to yield our lives, to come just as we are and surrender into your hands. Lord, that's my prayer this morning that we all hear what the Spirit of God has to say to the church. We thank you for what you're doing and going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So you know, you've been taking an outline. Uh, You remember in chapter 1 in Haggai, uh, we looked at apathy. You recall um, the history. uh, uh, They had been in uh, Babylonian captivity for 70 years. And now the Persians, uh, Babylon has fallen and the Persians are in power in the world. And King uh, Darius has passed a decree saying, hey, the Jews can return to their homeland. They can go back to worshiping their God. They can rebuild their temple. And again, uh, you guys know from Ezra, Nehemiah, Zechariah, we see these parallel accounts that have happened and preceding accounts that have happened in history. And so we talked about how um, after the Babylonian captivity, their return and they were in the land and they began strongly to rebuild and do the things God had called them to do. But after two years in, they had opposition from without and they had opposition from within. And they got discouraged in the work, and then that led to apathy. They became six, and now we're 16 years later, when Haggai's writing, 16 years later, and they still have not obeyed God. 16 years, and they still have not obeyed God. And so, Haggai the prophet is sent, Zechariah the prophet is also sent, and he begins to proclaim, Thus saith the Lord, here's your problem. Chapter 1. You guys are more concerned with your own kingdoms. You're you're more concerned with your own houses, your own fancy lives, your own little circle of influence, and you're more focused on that, and you're neglecting the household of faith. You're neglecting the things of God, the very things that I put before you, the very blessing that brought you back into the land you turned your back on. And so here these people are being dealt with in their sin in chapter 1 and they realize that they, you know what, we, we have kind of become displacent. We have kind of become apathetic. And so there's a repentance that takes place. And you'll recall that the, the cool thing about Haggai is he gives us specific dates. We'll talk about that here in a second, but you remember, we know these exact dates. We have extra biblical sources. There, in fact, there's a... Um, a cylinder that's found that, that has some writings that, that actually records, and this is still in a, a British museum, that, that lets us know when the king Darius was in reign, when the Persian king was in rule. And so, just like I gave you the illustration, if I were to say, hey, what, in the fourth year of President Trump, on the you know, seventh month of said day, you would know what day it was, based upon when the president came into office. So we know the exact date of when these things happen. And it's recorded for us in Scripture. It's pretty exciting when we see those things and and, and think through that. Again, regardless of your dating method, the point is this. When we look through the pages of the Haggai letter, we know that this whole letter takes place in about a four-month span, five-month span here. And so, in the initial beginning, they're called to repentance, and they respond. Within three weeks, they're back to building the temple. After 16 years, they return. They get excited about the things of God and they begin to rebuild. Then we came to chapter 2. And you remember chapter 2, the first part we talked about last week was disappointment. It was discouragement. Yeah, they were, they, they were doing good. They were kind of returned to the Lord. And, and yet, 
when they began to put the walls up on the foundation that had been laid 16 years earlier, there was the same kind of response that we, and we look back in Ezra to see this. Remember some of the older folks that, that were, remember Solomon's day, they were kind of heartbroken. Because this temple's not even nothing like what it was back in Solomon. Man, I remember Solomon bringing those cedars, and I remember the tile floors and all the gold and the, the silver and, and all the, the precious stones that were in. Man, and this ain't even close. It's like a lean-to compared to the good old days. And you remember last week we talked about, guys, if we're not careful, because we saw it in Ezra, the young people were cheering and shouting, yes, yes, this is exciting. Hey, God, they're excited. Yeah, we're moving forward for God. We're, we're going to do some great things for God. And then some of the older folks were kind of like, oh, this ain't nothing like what it used to be. And there was some discouragement. And you remember what last week's lesson was? God made it real clear to their hearts. This is why he asked the older people the question, hey, how many of you were alive in Solomon's day, show of hands. And, and yeah, that was us. That was, yeah, this looks like nothing compared to that, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But his whole point of that message was, guys, just like when you were brought out of Egypt, just like with Moses when you crossed through the Red Sea, just like when Solomon's temple was built, just like right now because you've returned to me, you're returning to me, you're seeking to do God's will, and also, he gives us the future that one day there's coming a, a time when the glory is going to fill the, the temple, but he's not talking about one built with hands. And we went to Revelation 20, uh, 21, 22, and we see the very end, guys, in the very, very end of all things, Christ himself is the glory. And his point, though, of all of this was to say, whether it was in the past, whether it's in the present, or whether it's in the future, I'm with you. Stop looking at the externals. If you look at the externals, you're going to get discouraged. Sometimes God calls you to a small ministry. Sometimes God calls you to a small work. Don't ever think that it's small. Because if God's calling you to it, it's not. It's big. And only you can do it. And so don't be discouraged. And so he was trying to, the prophet is telling them from, thus saith the Lord, here's the prize, guys. It's not that which is made with hands. The prize is God Himself. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. And we've got to understand this because we can look around the world today, guys, and it'd be real easy to get discouraged. I mean, America's just falling apart. Newsflash, this is not our home. Our kingdom is still to come. God is with us, right? He told Zerubbabel, be strong. He told the civic leader, be strong. Don't fear. We need that reminder, don't we? Our, our civic leaders need that reminder, right? And so we looked at this discouragement, disappointment. And so, uh, as I mentioned, this uh, third and final part is going to be a two-part. And so in, in the whole here, we're looking at the defilement of sin. And so there's a lot of similarities returning back to chapter 1 that we'll talk about, but uh, this one's going to be in two parts. So today we're going to focus on defilement, uh, sin, our decision. God has chosen to work through man, right? God's God. God can do what He wanted, but He's chosen to work through man. And so we do have responsibility before a holy God to receive or reject what He has laid out before us in Scripture. We can grieve the Spirit. We can quench the Spirit. These are things that as believers, we use this language to say when we're in disobedience, we are grieving the Spirit, we are quenching the Spirit. This is Bible language. Look it up. Don't take my word for it. And then we'll look at um, next week, Lord willing, the closing part, defilement, sin, the final defeat. And praise God. There's a there is a final defeat of sin once and for all. Now, it was finished at Calvary, but we'll see the fruition of that, consummation of that in the future. Praise God. So this is the outline of Haggai. Uh, so let's begin here talking about defilement of sin, our decision. Uh, so as we go through here today, uh, here's what we're going to see. We're going to first see the prophet. This will be found in verse 10. And then we're going to look at the priest, verses 11 through 13. 
And then we're going to look at the people in verse 14. The prophet, the priest, the people, and then lastly, the promise. And that's in verses 15 through 19. So real simple, natural outline that unfolds from the text. So if you want to write that down, uh, take a picture of it, last longer, <laughs> whatever, um, and go with that. So that's where we're headed to. Alright, so the prophet, verse 10. Take a look, if you would, again, here in verse 10. He starts off on the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet. All right. So, based upon the text, again, we know, because we're smart, we can do math, it's December 18th. December 18th, 520 B.C. All right, here's quiz time. Who's been paying attention? When did the first message come? What was the date on the first message? August 29th. Good class. Man, I'll tell you, I'm taking y'all with me to Bible quiz next month. I don't know where it is, but we'll find one. All right. That was the first message that came, right? August 29th. Summer. Hot. Israel. Good to have Dr. Mel Winstead and his family in the house with us today. Dr. Mel Winstead has been to Israel, uh, lived there for summer, right, brother? And uh, he's also, again, planning another trip back. If you want more information, see him after church. I have some brochures in my office, but he could probably be the first to tell you here in, 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 in our presence that in the summer months of Israel, it's hot. It's hot, right? <laughs> Amen. So it was hot, right? When it, and, and so shoo, there's not a lot happening. Not a lot of crops, right? When was the second message that came? What was the date on that second message? October 17th. Good. I can remember that. It's my birthday. Netherese can remember that because there's going to be a lot of money spent out on October 17th for their daughter's wedding. All right, anyway, I just said. October 17th. What do we know about, what do we know about that date? Talked about it last, last week. It's fall, right? What was so special about the day, October 17th? It was the last day of what? Y'all like that, didn't you? What was it? Come on now, that was shofar. Festival, good. It was the harvest festival. Uh, Feast of the tabernacles, Feast of booths, right? So this was again, thinking back, remembering how God had brought them through the desert, right? This is how they would, this was the harvest, bringing in all the crops. It was supposed to be a celebration, but they weren't really that stoked. They were discouraged. Because one a whole lot of crops. Because in chapter one we learned God had been drying up all the resources. God had not been blessing them. They had wallets with holes in them, pockets with holes in them. Nothing was nothing was happening. But they've been repentant now for about three weeks. Well, I'm sorry, guys. Any of you do any farming? It ain't a lot you can do in three weeks. It, you know what's done is done. You might get a few to you know squash to pop up on the vine, um, but you know. So they don't have a whole lot. They're probably discouraged. It's supposed to be a time of celebration, and yet they're still kind of, you know, and that's in the Hebrew, by the way. But they don't, you know, they're not real celebratory before God. And that was October 17th. And so now, here we are, December 18th, which is winter. Winter, winter, chicken dinner. No, not, not a winter. It's a winter. Cold wind has set in. Harvest is over. Right? It's December 18th. It's rainy season in that part of the land. It's good to know this context. And notice what happens. Here, I don't want you to miss this. Where does God say? He gives a specific date to start it off, and then once again, as has been a common theme in this, in this Scripture, on the 24th day of the ninth month, second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai. Why is that important? Guys, the word of God is foundational to our thinking. We live in a world where everybody, their brother and their mother, wants to give us advice, opinions, so forth and so on. Can I just tell you, that's fine and dandy, but the Word of God 
has to be the final authority. We are standing on anything else. We are standing on sinking sand. I don't care what your experience tells you. Because your experience will never trump the truth of God's Word. Now, your experience needs to be in line with the truth. I'm not against experience when experience comes forth from the Word of God. It's when my experience goes to the Word of God and tries to fit to justify my experience, we've got it backwards. Do you all understand that? Please understand this. Because we live in a world where the reason why we're not in same judgment, we're not in the, in the same mind, let this mind be in you which is in Christ Jesus, is because we've not developed amongst the people of God a true biblical worldview. We do a hodgepodge. We bring things outside and we try to fit it into Scripture. I, 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 back and forth, online... Myself, Tyson, the other day, I told him we had a busy weekend this weekend debating online people. Nothing will suck your time more than you know, that. But in all fairness, in these cases, it's profitable because there are many people out there longing for truth. And there are many people caught up in the deceptive lies of untruth. And so a lot of times what happens in these situations is they're arguing either experience, they're arguing tradition of, in Tyson's case, he's dealing with a Mormon, and so he's drawing from the tradition of his, of his religion. I'm dealing with a liberal theologian who's an Episcopalian, open homosexual, and he's you know, dealing with his tradition of his church, and, and they're trying to put these things on equal footing. And guys, the Word of God is not subjective. The Word of God is objective. It comes from a standard that transcends us. It's beyond us. Because if it weren't, then we would be God. No, no, no. We must bow to the truth of who God is and God's authority. What's going on in the world right now? Let me just sum it up. I've been saying this for a while now. If you want to know what's going on in the world right now, here's what's going on in the world. It's the same thing that happened in the very beginning of time. There is an assault on the very authority of God. That's the battle. That's always been the battle. That's why in America you see this, this split political system. You see this vying for power back and forth. They have left the umbrella. They have left the auspice of the authority of God. When rulers rule under the authority of God in line on the foundation of the authority of Scripture, the people rejoice, right? When a righteous man rules, the land's blessed. But when a wicked man steps into power or other places of leadership throughout, we see this kind of chaos, right? And guys, we got a lot of wicked politicians out there, right? But the bottom line is our system, a long time ago, left the authority of Scripture. And so this is why we have a problem. Look, it's not just the White House. It's the schoolhouse, right? It's the... It's God's house. We have, we have problems through and through. It's, it's your house, right? The authority in all the structures and all the systems has left the authority of God's Word. We no, longer, we no longer follow the lead of thus saith the Lord in those houses. And we wonder why there's chaos in the land. Guys, if we're going to be blessed, and this is what we're going to see here in this section, we've got to return to thus saith the Lord. The Word of God is the final authority. It is the authority base. And in this case, it came by Haggai. God chose Haggai to send the message that was thus saith the Lord. He's the prophet. He's God's called man. That's how God works. Don't be mad at Haggai. This was God's order. This is God's plan. Now, Zechariah, he's also a prophet. He came one month, we, we have a message from, from Zechariah one month earlier. So for December 18th, come on math people, what month is it? One month earlier? Just for our calendar's sake. Now again, we know there's two different calendars. I've talked about this in session one. If you want to go back and hear it, there's the civic calendar, there's the ceremonial calendar. There's actually four New Year's, but we're not talking about that. Go back and review that. But just for our sake, we're, all right, here we go. So for our understanding, our Gregorian uh, calendar. We're, we're, uh, a month earlier, hey, let's take a look. Go to Zechariah chapter 1. 
It's the, just hang a right, you'll be there. Some of you are like, oh man, Zechariah, I have no idea. Use the front of your book, you can read it and look it up. Good idea. It's all right, go right. So, in the eighth month of the second year, oh, wait a minute, the what, the what? The eighth month, oh, we just read the ninth month. Oh, that's how Pastor figured it out. He's a smart fella. He did the math. All right. In the eighth month of the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Edu, the prophet, saying, The Lord has been very angry with your fathers. Therefore say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you. Oh my goodness, stop right there, stop right there. What did that sound like? Let me read it again. Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you. I don't know about you, but my heart immediately jumps to James. Submit to God, right? Resist the devil, he'll flee from you. You remember this passage? Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. I've just got a principle here. I've got an understanding. The same God of yesterday is the same God of today, same God of tomorrow. He doesn't change. Yes, I know these things are written here to the people of Israel. Some people want to say, hey, well, look, again, I've got reinforcement of this in the New Testament, this concept of if I return to the Lord, He's going to return to me in a sense of fellowship. We'll talk about that in a little while. Let's continue on. Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord. Verse 4, do not be like your fathers, to whom the former prophets preached, saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, turn now from your evil ways and your evil deeds. But they did not hear, nor heed me, says the Lord. Hmm. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets... Do they live forever? Yet surely my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, did they not overtake your fathers? So they returned and said, Just as the Lord of hosts determined to do to us according to our ways and according to our deeds, so he has dealt with us. And so here's the same message going to Zechariah to the people a month earlier. So this is, again, it's the same people, right? There's the remnant. Zechariah's preaching to them. Haggai's preaching to them. We're making the message clear. That's the prophet. And again, we saw this here in 1 through 6. So now let's look at the priest. This picks up in verse 11. So, hey, guys, bringing the message. It's cold winter. Crops have already been brought in. And he comes and brings the message. Now, I found this kind of interesting when I'm studying. In the first message, who did the prophet go to? He went to the people. In the second message, he went to Zerubbabel, the civic leader. But now in this section... He comes to the priest, all right? Preacher. Now notice what happens. Verse 11. Thus says the Lord of hosts. Now, ask the priest concerning the law, saying, if one carries holy meat in the fold of his garment, and with the edge he touches bread or stew, wine or oil, or any food, will it become holy? All right? There's this first question. We're going to come to that here in just a second. But notice he starts with the priests concerning the law. Now, the law at this point, we know, first five books, it's the Torah. This was their holy book, right? This is their holy scripture. So uh, it makes sense that he would go to the priests, right? The law. Francis Turton, one of Calvin's successors at Geneva, in the middle years of the 17th century, has written, The law given by Moses is usually distinguished into three species. Moral law, treating of morals or of perpetual duties towards God and our neighbor. Ceremonial law, 
of the ceremonies or rites about the sacred things to be observed under the Old Testament, and the civil law constituting the civil government of the Israelite people. Everybody clear? Three types of law, moral law, ceremonial law, and civic law. So, here's the priest who has the responsibility of opening the Word of God, sharing the Word of God. So here's the question. Hey, God, the prophet asked, if anyone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and with the edge touches bread or stew, wine, or any other food, will it become holy? Now, guys, this is found, the answer is found in Leviticus. And again, a priest would have known the answer to this question. That's why God... Does God need to know? God knows the answer, guys. Right? Follow me. This is important stuff. This is important to understand. He doesn't go to the civil leader. He doesn't start with the people. He goes to the priest. And he asked the question. Here's the question. It's quiz time. Do, 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 do. Here's the answer. And no. Do you get holy through osmosis? No. Now I know some of you in school. Man, this is killing me, Smalls. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there we go. So, when you were in school and you were studying, Many of you fell asleep with your biology book on your head and woke up and made an A. No. Doesn't happen that way, right? Eyes, ears, right? We learn. So the question is easy. It's a softball pitch to the priest. No, of course not. You don't get holy, right, by touching something holy. Question. Verse 13. If one is who is unclean because of a dead body touches any of these, will it be unclean? Now again, what does he do? He goes to Leviticus. The priest has the authority, the Word of God. Here's, here's, an, here's an application. You're struggling with a question to answer, guys? You want to know what the truth is in the situation? Don't rely on your drunk uncle. Don't rely on Oprah Winfrey. Don't rely on the latest Reader's Digest article or your neighbor or even that good Christian lady who writes nice articles for, for Ann Landers, I don't know. You go to the Word of God. Go to the Word of God. That's a great place to start. I'm just saying. So he goes to the Word of God because, again, the priest knows the Word of God. And he says, here's the question. Now, if somebody's unclean, touches something, do they become unclean? Yes. Yes. It shall be unclean. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Which law is this? These are two questions. Which law is it? Here's your quiz time. Is it the moral law, ceremonial law, or the civic law? I heard somebody say it. Ceremonial law. It's the ceremonial law. Hence the reason he's asking the priest. Right? John Gill, in his expositional Haggai, writes this. To Haggai the prophet, ask now the priest concerning the law, whose business it was to understand it, and teach it, and to answer questions, and resolve doubts concerning it. Not of their own heads, and according to their fancies, will and pleasure, but according to the rules and instructions given in the Word of God. And as this was their office, they were the proper persons to apply to. And Haggai, though a prophet, is sent to the priests to propose questions to them. Guys, I, I, I can tell you one takeaway right here. I can connect the dots for you right here. You know, there was a time in the church, preacher, you know this, 
There was a time in the church, Brother Dean, you know this, there was a time in the church where if there were questions that people were wrestling with, they would go to the pastor and want to know not what the pastor's opinion was, but what is the guidance according to Scripture? What, what, is our, what, what leads us? What is our authority base? What is the decision that we should follow? What is the answer? You see, we've left the authority. When we try to cater to our own heads, according to our own fancies, it's according to our own pleasures. And we see this in homes. When we leave the order, we leave the authority of God. When we leave the order, we leave the headship of God, we leave, we leave the protection of God. That's why our streets are in disarray. Fatherless homes. They've left the umbrella. Fathers have not lived in the position that God called them to. Our politicians have left the auspice of thus saith the Lord. And that's why we live in a society in which we live in. Guys, God is a God who does things decently and in order. And when we step outside of that, in essence what we're doing is this and saying rebellion against thus saith the Lord. Oh, did, did God really mean that? And so, there's a lesson for us in this. So, the priests, what's the point being made? What's the point being made here? He asks these questions, right, to the priests. What's the point here? Well, we find the point. Uh, well, let me give you an illustration. This will help illustrate it because, man, oh, man, this is a good season to be illustrated. And this is why I say this is timely. Let me ask you a question. Does good health get spread? Hey, I'm healthy. Zach, Woo! No, that ain't how it works, right? Man, we'd save a lot of money on membership fees at the gym. If uh, good health is passed along, right? No, good health's not passed along just because somebody touched it. But let me ask you this. What about viruses? Recognize that face? Yeah. It's spread through contact. Even the natural world understands this, guys, that we can spread disease through contact. Here's the point. We're born sinners. We're deprived, we're fallen in nature. Sin besets us. We are sinful people at heart. It doesn't take much to spread sin. And sin will spread fast and it will defile many. This is why gossip is so deadly, right? Boy, my stomach's torn. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Talk about virus. No, I'm just kidding. But it spreads easy, doesn't it? Sin spreads easy. Bad company corrupts good morals. That's it, right? You know what Grandma used to say, you lay with the dogs, you're going to get the fleas. Truth in that. And so the point is, Hey, guy, go to the priest. Priest, here's your question. He goes to the Word of God to find the answer. Here's the answer. Yeah, righteousness won't spread through contact, but sin definitely will infect a camp. Notice the people in verse 14. Verse 14 says, So is this people. Then the priest answered and said, and, and he goes, he says, uh, and, and, and so the priest answered and said, It shall be unclean. Verse 14, Then Haggai answered and said, So is this people. And so is this nation. And so is every work. What they offer there is unclean. What they offer there is unclean. Church, hear me. If we have defilement 
If we have sin in our lives and filthiness somewhere within us, it defiles everything else that we are doing for God. That is the message within this message. Let me say it again. If we have defilement, if we have sin in our lives, practicing sin and filthiness somewhere within us, it defiles everything. It defiles everything else that we're doing for God. That's the message. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Church, God is calling us to repentance. He's calling this nation to go to its knees before a holy God, not before some movement. We need to cry out to God because we are defiled as a people. We're too concerned with our panel houses and thus saith man instead of thus saith the Lord. We've got to recognize the authority over our lives and we've got to be in line with God's decently and in an order way. And He will give us test upon test to see if we're faithful in that. But He's with us. And He'll never leave us. And He'll never forsake us. We have to trust and obey. He asked the question, where is there? And I mean, th that word there. He, notice what he says. So, so I'm asking the question, where is there? Because he says here in verse 14, so is this nation, people force, and so is every work of their hands. What they offer there is unclean. The answer is the temple. Hey, you've been working good to get back to this temple. Your hands have been laying to the work. At, 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 you've been doing good. You've been busy about it. But guys, if your heart is filthy, if your heart is... If your lips are close and your heart's far away, that's no good. It's the defilement of sin. But he doesn't leave us there. Here's the promise. Here's the promise, verse 15 through 19. Notice here in the text. Verse 15. And now, carefully consider. Oh, we recognize that. This is, this is the name of our series. Consider your ways. And now, consider your ways. Carefully consider from this day forward. Notice these two phrases. Underline those. Circle those right there in your Bible. Carefully consider, consider your ways, and then from this day forward. Church, can we just pause for a second and spiritually tune into the Spirit of God? Carefully consider your ways. Lord, search me, try me, consume all my darkness. Is there any way within me? Church, you know right now, sitting right here before in the teaching of the Word of God, you and God alone know if you're harboring sin, if you're hiding some unknown sins in your life, if there's some secret place in the closet of your soul that you are protecting and no one else knows about, newsflash, God knows. And He sent His man to proclaim, Thus saith the Lord, Hear me on this, thus saith the Lord. If there's sin in our life and we guard that iniquity in our heart and we're not willing to turn from it, we're not willing to let go of that pet sin, God will not bless. You will have holes in your pocket. Your crops won't come in. There will be problems because those whom God loves, He chastens. And don't take my word for it. Read the New Testament Scriptures. If a man's in sin, you go to him. And you call him on the sin. And you call him out of the sin. Now listen, be careful. Be careful. We're not talking preferences. We're not talking quirks, problems that you see where you're on the throne. But clear-cut scriptural sins. You have a moral obligation to call them out of that. And if they don't hear you, you bring two people with you. 
And if they don't hear them, you eventually you tell it to the church. And if he doesn't hear the church, then you put him out. And he's given over to Satan, so he'll learn not to blaspheme. And if he still will not repent, if he still chooses to stay in the sin, God says there is a sin unto death. Guys, that's sobering. And I don't think it's a coincidence that we have examples, not only in Scripture, but even in our lives, of such cases. Church, we need to hear the message God's sending. So here he says, carefully consider your ways. And then he says from this day forward, you're going to see this parallel. I put them in green and put them in blue. Hope this will help you. I'm a color-coordinated kind of guy. Uh, in fact, me and Randall called each other today to color coordinate. Me and MB and, and Mark, we're all kind of wearing the same outfit. Anyway, great minds think alike. Praise God. Anyway, God bless you. So notice the promise. Here we see the past. Verse 15. Notice the past. And here's what he's saying about the past. All right? Remember, he's already talked about this. The, the, remember in the old days, right? He, we talked about this in the last chapter. He says, look, notice the key words here. Before. Now, carefully consider from this day forward, from before stone was laid upon stone in the temple of the Lord, since those days. Been 16 years. You remember what happened in the past. Here's what he wants you to know. Learn from the past. Church, learn from the past. We can learn from the past. He also says the present. Notice the present, verse 18. And again, he gives us a specific date. So it's not like it's, it's not the present because when this is being written and read to them, it's the present. And he says to them, hey, on this day, on December 18th, 520 B.C., what do you need to do in the present? Obey. Church, you know what we need to do today? Obey. That's what we need to do. We need to obey God's Word. Simply put, we can do it your way, we can do it my way, we can do it the highway, we can do it whatever way, but I'm going to tell you, I'd much rather do it God's way. Now, if that happens to be your way, praise God. If that happens to be my way, praise God. If that happens to be the highway, well, praise God, down the road. But we've got to do it God's way. We've got to obey in the present. And then notice uh, verse 19, what it says here. Verse 19. Is, he, he goes on, he says, Consider, we'll go back to 18. Consider now from this day forward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it, is the seed still in the barn? As yet... The vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have not yielded fruit, but, circle that, from this day, I will bless you. I will bless you. So, future, trust. Guys, trust God for the future. Don't, don't worry about tomorrow. There's enough problems to worry about, right? Don't worry about tomorrow. Trust God for the future. This is what He's telling the people in Haggai's day. I know you've been apathetic. I know you've returned to busy work for the Lord. That's great. But you know what, guys? There's some defilement. We've got to confess our sins. We've got to get right. And, then, and as we you know, think about the past, we think about the present, we look to the future, we, we need to learn from the past, we need to obey in the present, we need to trust in the future. God is with us! Why would we be afraid? Why would we not be encouraged? Why would we not trust? Why would we not follow his, his way? He's God. So here's the promise. I will bless you. I will bless you. So it's our decision. Walk in disobedience and continue to spin our wheels. Or walk in obedience and be blessed. Conclusion. Sin has defiled us. But God's made a way. Amen? We all come into a world as sinners. 
dead in our trespasses and sins. But God's made a way. God is rich in mercy. Unbelievers. If there's any unbelievers here watching, listening on a podcast, watching via the internet, sitting here in the pews, if there's an unbeliever in our midst, let, let, me, let me give you a quick understanding. Sin separates. Man rebelled against the authority of God in the beginning of time, and sin, because of one man's disobedience, sin entered the world. And as a result, death has passed to mankind. We live in a sin-cursed world because of that fall. There's a reason why there's thorns on a rose. There's a reason why there's storms in a sunny day. There's a reason why we have viruses that run amok. We live in a sin-cursed world. We are sinful people. And sin has broken our relationship with our Creator. But God doesn't want us to perish. He doesn't want mankind to die in His trespasses and sin, so He has made a way. Believers, let me give you a newsflash. Sin separates. But it separates us with broken fellowship. Okay, if you're in the family of God, that fellowship cannot be broken. I mean, that, that relationship cannot be broken. The fellowship can be broken. The relationship cannot. My son is Lucas Jesse Varner. Now, my son may disobey me and rebel and get kicked out of the house and have to live in a, a kibbutz down on the street corner, but you know what? He's still my son. Right? He's still my son. There's not going to change. He's going to be a Varner until the day he dies. I know, son, that in and of itself is a curse. But anyway. <laughs> There's no changing the relationship. But the fellowship can be damaged. Right? Guys, we can damage the fellowship as believers. We, we, have, we can have broken fellowship with our Father. If you have broken fellowship today, I want to tell you, please, come back to your Father. He loves you. Return to Him. He'll return to you. Galatians, uh, Galatians 3.13, for unbelievers, hear this. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse. It's written, cursed is everyone who's hanged on a tree so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. If you're here today or you're listening, you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, sin has separated you from your Creator. But God has made a way through the cross of Calvary, through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And it's the love of Christ that extends to you and says, Come. And if you hear the Spirit saying, Come, repent, turn from your sin, I will draw near to you, I will come to you and, and have a sup with you. If you hear the Spirit of God nudging you to repent of your sins, put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ today before it's eternally too late. And He'll adopt you as a son into the family of God. Here's our application. If you do not know Jesus Christ, turn from the sin that plagues you and find salvation in Christ Jesus, Christ alone. 2 Corinthians says this, For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. That's the only way you and I can be righteous. It's through the shed blood of Christ. In John 3.16-21, through 21, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship. If you're trying to do it with your own hands, it's unclean. You'll never work your way to salvation. It's a gift from God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, believer, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand 
that we should walk in them. Question. Are you enjoying the blessing of a close relationship with God? Or do you need to turn from sin and renew your commitment to Him? Only you can answer that question. I can't answer it for you. I don't know what's in your closet. The closet of your heart, the closet of your mind. If you do know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to consider your ways. And guys, let's return to Him so we might experience God's blessing once again in our lives. That's the application of this message for God's people. That's our application. Is the seed still in the barn? You know what he means by that question? Hey, where's the seed at? The rain's come. The seed's planted. It's not in the barn, guys. It's planted. And guess what? Trust me. And you watch what happens with the fig tree, the olive tree, the pomegranate. Let's watch these things bloom because the future's coming. And I promise you in the future, you're going to be blessed. Church, seeds in the ground. We need to keep sowing some. need to keep watering some. But I promise you, there's a blessing coming. Do you believe this? Are you going to trust Him in this? And guys, to get it right, we need to confess that sin. Believer, here's your soap. If we confess our sin, He's faithful. He's just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our sinful ways can sap our joy and isolate us from the Lord. Confession and repentance, though, provide the way to be restored. <laughs> Amen. You know, God sometimes takes us into troubled waters not to drown us, but to cleanse us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I pray today that You'll search our hearts, that You'll convict us of sins that are known. You'll bring to light the hidden sins that are unknown the areas where maybe we easily trip. But Lord, I, I, I'm praying specifically and in, in, in pleading before you today, and I trust that the hearts of the saints will join with me in this prayer. Lord, if there be anyone in the camp who's defiled, there's a, there's a secret sin that they just, they've just don't think anybody else knows about. And maybe it started out just sort of something they were on the side, stumbling at, and now it's just got them in such a grip they can't escape. Lord, this isn't a message of condemnation. This is a message of hope. This is a message of return to me. Return to me. I'll return to you. I make you that promise. If you'll confess your sins, I'm faithful and just and will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. This is thus saith the Lord. Lord, let that message ring true in their heart, whoever it may be. Lord, that we would fall before a holy God and cry out for the mercy, the grace, the forgiveness that we need. Maybe it's my attitude, Lord. Maybe I've had a stinky attitude. Maybe, maybe I've been gossiping. Maybe it's a situation where, uh, again, it's, it, it's the thought life. It's, Lord, we, we're all tattered with sin that, that entangles us. But on the ones that we know about, this scriptural truth covers it all. Confess the sin you know. His cleansing power will take care of the rest. Lord, thank you for your amazing grace. The law was never intended for us to keep because we can't keep it. It points to us to show us we're guilty. But it's that guilt that should bring us to our knees in crying out for a Savior. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so Lord, in this moment, whether it be a call for salvation or whether it be a call for repentance, to renew the fellowship, 
I pray the Holy Spirit of God will have His way in all of us. And so I'm just going to allow for just a moment of stillness and let the Spirit of God search your heart. If you want to talk with someone, I'd love to talk with you. You can come down, sit on the front row, and and you and I can talk. Or maybe you want to come see me afterwards. Uh, You want to call me this week. You want to get with a friend, somebody else. We're here to help. We're here to walk alongside you. But the first place you need to turn is to the Lord. Let God have His way. Father God, thank you for your truth. Thank you for the authority of your word. And thank you for those that are gathered here today. Lord, I pray that you will have your will and way in each of our hearts and lives. That whatever we lay our hands to do moving forward from this day forward, it'll be met with blessing. Because we've learned from the past, we're obedient in the present, and we trust you for the future. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.